The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halavi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy. Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Eric Halby, the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. Look, my my role here today is to really assist you with understanding the changes. Have you not seen any changes that are happening to the retirement world, to what you thought was normal? Uh, I want to go over some of the things that I think are in, some of the things that are out. Right? You're all playing a game. We're all playing a financial game. But do you know the rules? And did you know the rules changed halfway through? Just like if you were, <laughs> what? Oh, gosh. You know, if you were a woman and, and you trained to ride your bike, ride your 10-speed, right? Remember some of us old folks, the 10-speed? But we call it a road bike now. Ride your road bike, run in the competition, like a, many people know the Tour de France. But now if you're a lady, you have to compete with a man because he says he's a man and wears eye makeup. And, of course, you're going to lose because... In sports, generally speaking, men are stronger, different than women and end up being in a position to where they uh, are often taking, oh gosh, first or second place, sometimes third or fourth, and removing the chance for a young woman to either receive a scholarship or some other benefit, and off she goes, sorry, you don't qualify. Is that weird? Isn't that weird? Well, let's go over a couple of things. Let me give you my phone number. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. All right. SAT scores are out. ACT scores. Remember those? You used to have to get those to get into a college. Now being your race, just existing, just being your race is in. Keeping score and winning, striving to be a winner, out. Everyone gets a trophy now, don't they? That's in. You need to stay up to it because here's what's happening next. Getting into this country used to be a privilege. Becoming a citizen was a privilege. Well, that's out. Nope, no more. Walking in, saying anything, claiming asylum, which just so you understand, is phony. Nearly 100% phony. Arif, how do you know? You are not. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, whiny liberal. It's very simple. You take a look at where the folks are from. Who, who right now is being attacked or problems? Now, listen, if you are claiming political asylum from a place like Chicago, I'm with you. I think, that's, I think you need political asylum from Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles. 
Yeah, there's a lot of places in the country where you can now, guys. Some of us in the in the San Fernando Valley are suffering. That's you need political asylum. Your life is in danger. Work hard, pay your student loans out, get forgiveness, and have others pay it out. Oh, sorry, that's in. You see my tendency. <laughs> What about taking responsibility for your actions and paying with either time or money? Right? That's called going to jail or or paying a fine, whatever it is. Take responsibility. You made a mistake. You fix it. Move on. If you can. How about blaming racism and white supremacy? Well, that's in. I told you years ago, years ago, that racism, that was the word they were using. And eventually that word racism, what was it going to do? Well, you know what? It was simple. Racism was going to be used, overused, and be done with. People are going to be over it. We need another conversation. I need something else. What do we need? Well, uh, we have to go to something even more evil, white supremacy. That's why when somebody like Candace Owens or Larry Elder, right, when they come in and they say uh, there's a problem with the system or there's oh, oh, you're white supremacist, white face. You're the white face of white supremacy, black face of white supremacy. You go, but that doesn't make sense because the way your system is broken down, folks, it punishes the thinking, not the color. You can't think a particular way and be successful. Not here. You lose. So what ends up happening? Well, you get married and have kids in that order that that's out. Now, listen, I'm not saying it didn't happened before, but today people are living together and having children, co-parenting, right? If we call something a different name, you're still a partnership. I don't think you're evil. If you do these things, I think you fall, you fall in victim to some ideas that some might say are not completely accurate anymore. Certainly not helpful, right? Having children, as a married, stable couple, I think is a very important. You don't have to get married, but don't bring children into it. I think that's a dangerous way to go. How many of you had crummy childhoods? What are you thinking? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a crummy childhood for my kid because mine was bad? You wouldn't think that way. You wouldn't do that on purpose, hopefully. How about learning to drive and control a 2,000-pound vehicle? Right? My birthday was, was on a Tuesday, I believe. I, on the 16th birthday... I went to go to the DMV and they said, you need an appointment. I said, whoa, 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 what do you mean appointment? I thought I just had to come down on my 16th birthday. Yes, you have to wait a week. That was the longest week of my life. I felt like I could drive and yet they weren't giving me the, the ability to drive. I mean, it, it felt like, I mean, this is just not right. This is horrible. Well, of course, because I wanted freedom. I wanted that control. I had that ability to have that control. But this is important. Most of, of us are not thinking about what it takes to be successful. Most people think what it takes to be successful is simple. It's someone else giving you something for just existing. Right? For just being, for just being you. Well, what, well when is it going to change? When can it change that we, in fact, understand that instead of Uber and Lyft and your parents and your cousin and ready for this, today's men of the 90s, of the 2000s, and now the 2000s and what are we, 2020? Let's get a scooter. Let's get a scooter. 
Remember, we were all supposed to die because we didn't have helmets on our bicycles or our tricycles. Remember that? You have a kid that looks like Mr. Magoo with one of those big helmets on, driving around, telling him, watch out, watch out, watch out. And now you'd put that same child in front of a 2,000-pound vehicle, and, and you don't give him the right or the ability to, to understand his rights and responsibilities. And so what does he do? He gets a scooter. Can, can you castrate a young man anymore than an orange or a green or a yellow scooter? I, maybe. How about thinking about a career or a new job? It's supposed to provide family funding, dollars for you and your family. That's out. Today, it's about your feelings. You have to like your job. And your boss better treat you with respect and give you every weekend off. And the holidays that you ask for. Because it's about you out. Nope, no more. Everything is about the idea that this job is here to serve you. Do you you realize how quickly that's changed? I mean, in a generation, you, you, you take a man... Right? How many times have you seen men with black nail polish? I mean, this is... Maybe they're in a rock band, right? We used to say, oh, Kiss and, and Led Zeppelin, and oh, they had makeup, and they had uh, nail polish, and, and you would look at whatever, White Snake, and some of those guys, remember those? They all had different makeup. That was a game. It was a, it was a look. Right? A lot of people that believed Ozzy Osbourne was the man... And then when you watch movies about him today, you realize he was not that crazy of a guy off the screen. It was a gimmick. Now, if you were a young man, you didn't know that. You fell hook, line, and sinker for some of the craziness. Right? The satanic, the devil worshiping, which is... should it, Well, there's never an excuse for that. I don't care if it's an act or not. It's the reason we don't watch horror movies. Some of you still put that stuff in your mind. Right? You have a lot more time. You're retired now. It's nice. And you put that stuff in your mind? Have you ever thought that's probably not a good thing? Just, just guessing out loud here. Right? When I was a police officer, I remember, I don't know what, what call it was, probably the first, certainly the first few months. And, you know, training officers might have been in their late 20s. I was in my early 20s. Maybe they had five or six years on the job and, and seven something. And you thought to yourself, wow, these guys are brilliant. They're so smart. They know everything. And I remember rolling on a scene and, and uh, there was a really bad call. And there was going to be gunshots, stuff, and blood everywhere. And it was, it was kind of yucky. Suspects already gone. Multiple victims. And I told him, hey, come on, come on. Let's go over there. Let's go check it out. And he looked at me and he said, Eric, if you expect to have a long career, there's going to be many times where these types of calls are assigned to you and you have to go. It's our job. But there's also going to be times when they're not assigned to you. And you have a choice as, as to what you put in your mind. And he said, Eric, if they want us to go, we're going to go. But the scene is under control. And the last thing you want to do is on purpose, put that stuff in your mind. I'm 21 years old, maybe 22. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, that's wisdom. You don't think that. Except you guys are putting that stuff in your mind every single day 
with some of the movies and shows you watch and online and you can't unsee things. There isn't a place to take a shower and wash that off. That's as we're coming up to the Halloween thing. It's, it's my least favorite holiday of the year. Just, just is not a fan of it. All right. Thinking about the environment in a logical way, weighing the differences with humanity, the needs of people, the lifting out of poverty of lower income people across this country. Well, that, that thinking that's out now scream as loud as you can about the latest crisis. So I have a list of these things for you. Let's think about these. Remember 1960s. I remember this. I remember even repeating this in the 1980s, repeating it. Why? Cause I was in college and that's what you, that's what you do. You're not allowed to think independently in college. I just want you to know that you have to regurgitate what the professor or the teacher says. Same thing in high school these days. You have to repeat what she or he says. If, because if you come up with a logical argument about something else, you're a racist, white supremacist, bigot, homophobic, blah, 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 transphobic. Blah. And so that thinking, that independent thinking removes. Now, there are still places, homeschooling, there's still places, Hillsdale College, the Master's University, there's still places that you can put your children in school. But by all means, if you're keeping them in public school, in the state of California, you are creating an enormous risk, not a small risk, a lifelong, enormous risk for your children because they can't unthink and unsee those things. It is very difficult. In the 1960s, the crisis was oil is going to be gone in 10 years. 1970s, remember, we had global cooling. In 10 years, the world will be shrinking. Growing regions of the world will eliminate. I have the map. I have it on my wall. I took the Newsweek article and I put it, framed it on my wall to remind me that the craziness, certainly of the media, is something that you don't have to fall for. And I always think twice. There's always something else coming down the road. A little bit on the sneaky, weird side. What else? 1980s. Remember famine? Famine in Africa. Africa is going to be a desert, a big desert. We are the world. We are the world. Remember that? We are the children. <laughs> Remember that song? I bought it just like you. Spent money, all this donation, Michael Jackson, uh, Bruce Springsteen. You can hear them all singing. They did it after one of those award shows. Whew. They clapped hands. They... They loved it. They did all, oh my gosh, they high-fived each other. They shook each other's hands. I think I even saw in the video, they patted a few people on the back. Thank you, Quincy Jones. Sorry, great job. And that crisis, what? Well, certainly there's famine in Africa, mostly because of warlords. warlords. You're not saying that. You're not saying that there were countries at the time feeding ammunition and weapons to different sides of the conflict. And you had ignorant people feeding this frenzy that caused people to be, look, there was still water. It might've been 200 feet down or 50 feet down. I don't know. You could have taught, listen, Israel did it. They took desert and turned it into land that is growing crops. Do you realize that? But I digress. 
1990s. Smog and deforestation. Look, I even remember in the 70s. Remember those smog alerts? Red flag smog alerts? Don't play outside. We weren't allowed to play outside because of the smog alerts. Red flag in the San Fernando Valley where I grew up. Sorry. You drive in, fly into Los Angeles, come up over the hill. Big old brown layer. You still see it now and again. But there were dozens and dozens of days out of the year. Dozens of days out of the year that you were stuck. Couldn't, couldn't uh, play outside as a young child. Public school wouldn't allow it. But have you asked yourself this? Have you asked yourself, where's the ozone? I remember. Remember, whatever the numbers were in the 1990s, deforestation, every 15 minutes. I'm going to make up this number. It's going to be an example, but you'll get the idea. Every 15 minutes, a forest the size of Manhattan is burned in Brazil. Deforestation. Well, weren't you just telling me that there was famine and they needed to, to cut some of the trees down? I mean, that's how they feed their people, right? Farmland and... And then they, oh, oh, but it, it, it provides oxygen for the air. Okay, I gotcha. Gotcha. But then didn't, and, and, and that poisoned the ozone, right? So in the 2000s, ozone layer's gone in 10 years. You told me that. Burning, you had, you had commercials and pamphlets of eggs frying on the, the, the sidewalk and people getting sick and cancer, right? All this, it was like a Hollywood production. Ozone's gone in 10 years, 10 years. Okay, well, it's still there. In fact, it's, it's better than ever. Turns out it was cyclical. It kind of comes and goes. It changes, right, historically speaking. 2010, global warming, global warming. And then all of a sudden, places are getting a little cooler in some places. Okay, no, wait, wait, wait. Ready? Oh, guys, I can imagine. Here's the marketing meeting. Okay, uh, all right, folks, uh, can I come, come to order, come to order. Here's what we have We've got to rebrand this crisis. The Democrat Party needs something. What else, people? Uh, uh, well, global warming, sir, isn't working. All right, Johnson. You're stating the obvious. Mrs. Jones, what do you think? Uh, well, well, sir, I'm, I'm excited about the idea of saying it's for the children. It's for the children and for old people because everybody likes children and they like old people. Good job, Mrs. Jones. All right. Anybody? Smith, what do you got? Climate change, sir. That is a winner. Climate change is a winner. Why? Because it's changing. And, and we, can, we can back into that number when there's hurricane change, when it's drought change, when it's raining change, when it's not raining change. You just say climate change. It means everything about everything. And you're thinking, wow, that is brilliant. Smith, you are employee of the quarter. Great job. And they rebranded it for the last 50 years. Oil is supposed to be gone every 10 years. And yet it's the only thing that has lifted middle class out of poverty and brought them to a place where you're no longer worried about what is it going to take to feed your family, run electricity with a fair price. So the Department of Water and Power, Southern California Edison, they have to turn around and start shutting down the natural gas power plants, natural gas. You guys understand natural gas is abundant in the United States. We have hundreds 
with an S, hundreds of years of natural gas. That means we have enough energy. You, you want to make cars into natural gas cars? That's fine. Listen, they don't go very far because it takes a lot of gas to compress. I spoke to somebody from the Southern California gas company. He had a vehicle. He's driving around. I said, oh, I got to talk to this guy. So I asked him, I said, what's the real life example? He said, well, my job is to go from place to place. So I have to fill it up a couple of times a week. I said, why? He said, well, because I can really only go about 110 miles or so. And it was a little four-door, kind of like a Toyota Corolla or you know Nissan Sentra type size vehicle. And he said it was outfitted or changed so that the engine worked on natural gas. He said, I could probably go 110, maybe 120 miles per, char, uh, per, per fill up. Well, that's just about enough to get most of us at least three or four days a week. And there's no new, new electrical uh, charging station anywhere. You just get a, an adapter. A plumber, you pay him 300 bucks probably. It runs from your gas meter up over, and you plug it into your car, and you get to charge it at home. What? That, what? Natural gas? Yeah, that's your commuter car. If you're so worried about the ozone, one of the cleanest energy uh, uh, fossil fuels, natural gas. I'm not a proponent of natural gas in the sense that I own it. I'm a proponent because it's logical. I don't own the stock or shares or land that is that is a natural gas oriented. Forget it. Just logic. Go back to logic. Maybe that's a place for investing some of your retirement dollars or your retirement energy or your your advocacy. Maybe it's a place for you to stand up and and fight back. I don't know. But I can tell you this. The solution is already here. We're purposely shooting ourselves in the foot. It's like, oh, it's not, it's not fair, the F word. We're not, it's not fair for us to compete with so much natural gas and energy and intelligence and logic and the ability to go out and change the world. So, oh, that's interesting. How, how are we going to jump from this next crisis? I don't want you to run around and be scared. For those of us that have been alive 50 years or plus, just use your memory. There has been one crisis after another. It's always about the climate, the energy, the killer bees. I didn't drop those into there. The killer bees from Brazil, the Africanized bees. Remember, they were called Africanized. And then that was racist, so we changed the name. It's not Africanized anymore. Right? We softened COVID because it was called the China, fly, uh, China flu or the China virus. It's like the Spanish flu, racist against Spanish people. Spanish flu, can't do that. So, right, and there wasn't there another African uh, monkeypox? Monkeypox, they changed the name of monkeypox because that's supposed to be racist. Can you not understand how science, all you got to do is spend 15 minutes researching Anthony Fauci and you'd get an idea how corrupt science is and how their job is to continually manipulate these things that I've outlined so that they can choose to exist. You see, it used to be the government worker was the place that you would go if you couldn't find another job. I'm not putting them down. I was one. I'm, that's not it. It was the place. Well, listen, at least get a job with the government. You'll never be fired. You'll never, you're not going to be rich, but you'll never be fired. That was the old idea. Today, 
The objective is to get a job with the government. Why? Because you'll never be fired and you will be rich. Not today, not tomorrow, not, not you know Taylor Swift rich. But if you save in your retirement account and if you get lifetime medical from any employer or any place, you're going to be pretty darn successful financially. The problem is when you have an abundant amount of people that are getting a job that, in which taxpayers have to pay and the people that are not receiving anything from that, but in turn are paying for it, there is a kind of a tipping point. There's a point of no return where the people working aren't going to receive the same benefits as the people that are taking their money. And folks, yes, at gunpoint, right? Try not paying your taxes and then except if you're, you're Hunter Biden. And don't and see if the IRS comes knocking on your door with with police. Right, the IRS is now one of the largest military, uh, paramilitary, quasi-military funded organizations. They have firearms and SWAT teams. Right, they they come to your house. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. I'm Eric Hallaby. The Total Financial Hour. Triple eight ninety nine. Retire eight eight eight. Nine nine seven three eight four seven. Stay with me right after the break. I'm Eric Hallaby on AM eight seventy. The answer. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halabi, the total financial hour. Listen, this week, uh, well, I guess it's been over a week now that, that we know uh, Hamas invaded Israel's southern or northern area, I guess, their, their southern area of Israel, northern area of Hamas, uh, Gaza Strip, comes over and what they did for to women and children. Uh, I want you to, to kind of set down, I guess, your, your coffee for just a minute. I need you to think with me. When our southern border is as open as it is, and Israel receives something very similar, which is what? They had immigration. 100,000 people, if I'm not mistaken, a day would come over the border with work visas, work permits. They'd, cr they'd cross the border. They'd go to work. They'd work. They'd take the money that they would earn and go back to Gaza or West Bank, and they would spend it. Well, Hamas is in control of Gaza. Hamas is a very evil organization receiving money and funding directly, directly from Iran and from Qatar, for that matter. For whatever reason, they happen to think that that's the right way to go. Now, their goal is not to live peacefully. The two-state solution, if you haven't heard from others in the past, will never work, which, which means... Palestine is a country and Israel is a country. Instead, it's, it's an occupied territory. Now, it's occupied by Hamas. But I need you to understand how this is going to impact you financially. Because the U.S. returned $6 billion. Now, the $6 billion did not have to be returned. It wasn't, uh, it's not a legitimate 
number of dollars to Iran. Like, you know, they came over, gave us a loan, and we were returning the money. This is from the old regime, all of these dollars, same thing that President Obama did, from the regime that was an honest broker on the world stage. In other words, they weren't sponsoring terrorists. They weren't trying to build a nuclear program to annihilate a country off the earth, which is their only reason for having a nuclear program. So what happened? The U.S. gives $6 billion to a, a bank in Qatar and says, uh, Iran, you can come and ask for money. Just bring receipts. Well, you realize that money that Iran has already set aside for the humanitarian project, roads, bridges, hospitals, they now can take those dollars and redirect them to terrorism. And then they come in and say, hi, we need to build a hospital. Give us money. It, it's phony and dishonest for the Biden administration to say those dollars are not going to be spent. Well, today, or, or within the last couple of days, we're going to give $2 billion to humanitarian aid for Israel and for Gaza. Okay, well, have you, have you thought about this for just a minute? Where's that money going to come from? We're already giving billions of dollars to Ukraine, and they're stealing it left and right. Very corrupt. You need to know that. Very corrupt. No different than, than the corruption in Afghanistan, although they, they rose it to a whole new level. But here's what my, my proposal is. Very simple. You take the $6 billion, you can claw it back. And you say, we're going to give humanitarian aid to what Iran caused is a problem, and we're going to give it to Gaza citizens. I get it. Uh, we're going to ask for receipts. We're only going to give it to organizations and all, whatever. We're going to help Israel, but we're going to debit that $6 billion. So Iran, you're going to be the one to use your $6 billion to rebuild Israeli roads and bridges, to rebuild hospitals, to give money to families, to rebuild their homes, to build a new wall, a deep wall around Gaza. And if there's any money left, Iran, you can have it. Uh, listen, we're going to even use your money to help the refugees because there are some legitimate families, Palestinian families. Of course, you guys, don't don't be so rude or ignorant. There are some legitimate families that are suffering, that are afraid to not vote for the today's Nazi party called Hamas. My heart breaks because of a beautiful country. And by the way, it is stunning. Lebanon. And Hezbollah. Oh, surprise, Iran again. Surprise, Iran. What? Where'd they come from? We didn't expect them. Well, maybe we did. And what will they do? Be right there. And we do the same thing. We say, uh, we're going to give you, Israel, money to reinforce that northern border. And in doing so, just be clear on this, on doing so, we're going to debit that $6 billion. So you have Iran paying for their mess taking responsibility for their problems. You heard me say that just a minute ago, right? Remember taking uh, number 11, I had taking responsibility for your actions and your feelings. Well, that's out. Explain that you're offended and that your feelings are hurt. Well, that's the new in. Well, no problem. We're going to do that. Iran, we're going to use your 6 billion to reinforce the Northern border, Southern border. And in the end, I think there should be a humanitarian corridor to accept refugees. 
into Egypt and into Jordan. Yeah, listen, Egypt, Sinai is a beautiful place. There's some cities there. There's also some no cities. Oh, wait, Egypt, you, you don't want the refugees. Oh, I don't blame you. Then you need to get in and start a second front and eliminate Hamas. Because it, it, you're responsible. You're a neighbor. That's just like us, right? Left-wing people, hello. You're saying that we are responsible for the Mexican immigration, even though most of them are not Mexican anymore coming across the border. Right? They're just not. They're from Honduras and Nicaragua and Venezuela, Haiti, have nothing to do with going to the next neighboring UN sanctioned sanctuary country. The asylum joke. It's a joke, by the way. But here's my point that I think you need to be prepared for, especially if you're retired and you have a little bit of time. Number one, you need to get back in shape physically. Maybe it's just walking around the block. If you're 82, you got to do something. You have to learn how to use a firearm. Pick one. Pick one. A rifle, an AR-15, you can buy them still here in California. Handgun, I don't know. Pick one. And you learn how to use it, and you train, you go to classes, and you learn how to use it to protect you and your family. Next, you're going to have to have food stored at home. I'm just telling you, you're going to have to have, and I don't mean just uh, the same stuff that you give away to your, your kids or your grandkids' food drive, which is old beans and stuffing from Thanksgiving three years ago in the back of your, your pantry. No, you have to get real food set aside that you and your family will eat. There's a lot of these uh, commercials. I won't go into which ones are better. I think they're all pretty good. Try the food. See if you like it. If you like it, order more. But you need to have food storage, maybe two or three weeks at least worth. So do the math, how many people in your family. And don't forget about your pets, cats or dogs, two or three uh, weeks worth. Medication. If you are at the at the end of your, let's say it's at the end of the month, you get monthly medication, you need to have two or three weeks extra at least. Yes, I, you got to talk to your doctor. Get, can I have a little extra? I, I, I want to save it. Whatever you think you need to do, but you need to have a backup prescription for traveling if you have to get out of town, which is my next part. You need to have a bag. Maybe it's a duffel bag. Maybe it's a, it's a carry-on rollaway bag. And it has to have some money in it. It has to have some backup stuff in it. It's not the same, plane, uh, same thing you're going to take on a plane, so make it orange or red or something different so you don't make a mistake and, and have your firearm in that bag, right? Locked in a case. You have to keep it secure. But I want it to be in that same case. But I don't want you to make a mistake and take that one on a plane because I don't think taking a plane anywhere is going to be the right answer. I think you're going to end up having to, to stay in one place or maybe relocate down the street or, or someplace. But here's why I say that. The border has been open. The bad guys from Syria, from Afghanistan, from Iran, lots from China, and they are here. They're here and they're bad guys. And the U.S. government knows it. And they're tracking them. But you can't track 100,000 people. You just can't. It's impossible. Even if you can, you're going to find out that they did something a week or two late. 
So my point is, there are bad guys that are already here. They're working as a florist, taxi driver, fast food restaurant, gardener, whatever they're working. And if you don't think the drug cartels are going to take advantage of that opportunity to hunt like they did in Venezuela, to hunt law enforcement officers, because guess who has the firearms and the training and the ammunition? Law enforcement officers. Some of you law enforcement officers <laughs> or retired guys, and you post all over the web that you're, you know, police officer, retired, look at my new gun, look at my new training tactics. I'm telling you, don't do that. You put a big old target on you. Bad guys are here. And they are everywhere in the big cities. Just like, that ha uh, just like it happened in Israel. They went internally. And whenever somebody said go, they went from whatever their job was, they put down their, their work tools. They didn't dress in military outfits. They just wore regular clothes. And they started killing people randomly, stealing. Look at when these, these young kids, right? It's often minority kids between the ages of whatever, 15 and 25. Same thing, white liberal children or African-American or Hispanic predominantly. Oh, if you No, it's just the facts. Make it different. Tell me a bunch of Koreans are, are in there robbing and stealing and, and beating people and stealing from jewelry stores. I'm going to tell you it's a bunch of Koreans, right? But right now it's not. It isn't. So you have to protect yourself because look at when they go into the stores. Why do you think stores are leaving, leaving San Francisco, Chicago, Los Angeles, the state of California? Because the law enforcement officers cannot protect them. They just can't. You really think that if the crazies that are already here get the green light to tell them go, that, that, the, that the police can protect you? They just can't. There just isn't enough police officers. I remember working in the San Fernando Valley in the early 90s as, an, as a police officer out of Van Nuys Division. I remember thinking about this. Like, how many officers are actually on the job? today. There were five divisions at the time in the San Fernando Valley. I think there's seven or eight now. And out of those five divisions, we, we at any one time and from six mid uh, night until let's say three in the morning, we were running somewhere around 150 to 200 officers on the street in the entire San Fernando Valley of 2 million people, 2 million people. And there were 200 officers max. You're telling me that they can do anything. Now listen, Israel took control of, of the borders, but after lots of damage was done, and maybe it took a day or two or hours, certainly maybe two or three days, whatever it, it took. So, so I expect that the good guys will still win here, right, with the National Guard or whatever. But be very clear, these bad guys from these countries are already here. Joe Biden did it. He did it on purpose. I don't know why. I don't know. My Mayorkas had a chance to be an honest, honorable person. He will go down in history like a Goebbels. He will. He'll be, what a, what a bad legacy, right? Can you imagine being his child or grandchild? Secretary Mayorkas, oh, that's my grandfather. Oh, Right? If your last name was Hitler, 
and you were somebody's cousin or nieces or nephew, you would go, oh, really? I don't think Myocris is in the same conversation as Hitler, but he's in the same reputation. Right? You, you let maybe tens of thousands, I don't know, people will be harmed or injured or killed. Some were let in under his watch most because he lied about it. He wouldn't do anything about it. Secretary Blinken, eh, it's a joke. These people are not real serious actors. So what am I saying to you? Some of you say, what's the latest, greatest invention, uh, investment for my uh, mutual funds or my retirement accounts? I don't know. I can tell you this. I would have money safe at home. I would have money in fixed or fixed indexed annuities for your income. Because if all stuff hits the, hits the fan, so to speak, they don't go down. They don't go backwards. And if I'm wrong, and a year from now you go, ha, 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 Arif, this is the best it's ever been in the economy. Oh, good. Hurt me. The world is better than I thought. Oh, I'd be okay being wrong there. I'd admit, I'd come on the microphone and say, hey, listen, guys, it's been a year or two years. What I thought was going to materialize, I was wrong. That just means the world is better. I'm okay with the world being better, and I'm, and I'm going to be wrong. I'd, I'd be willing to take that. So I just think you have to understand that nobody's coming for you. We are the ones that used to come for people. The United States. California. The Los Angeles Police Department. Los Angeles County Sheriffs. We were the, we were the one. Texas Rangers, remember? Navy SEALs, SWAT team. There's no way. Mathematically, there's no way it's impossible. When the riots hit, and I was working West LA Division, I was awake for about 34 hours, I think, the first night. We didn't have any help. You know, we had some of the local agencies, but Anaheim PD, they were dealing with their own problem. Irvine and Glendale, they all had their own issues. So it wasn't as if, you know, when LA was burning, so were some of their cities. So... It, we were on our own for two days. Finally, we, we quelled the violence, and then the National Guard from Fresno shows up. I said, why Fresno? Didn't we have National Guard here? They said, oh, yeah, we want to make sure that the men and women that are in the National Guard, if they have to shoot and kill somebody, we have to make sure that they're not going to know them. So we bring in National Guard from another region so that there's less likely that there's an emotional connection to the people that, that they're going to have to harm. Like, what? Yep, that's why they did it. That's why they didn't bring the National Guard from L.A. or from Silmar. They brought them from Bakersfield or Fresno or Sacramento. By the time they mobilize these people, remember, National Guard, a lot of them are normal, everyday people, barbers and engineers and electricians. They have jobs. You have to get them to roll in etc. So what do you keep in your go bag? Even if it's right, even if you're older, your go bag may not be this backpack. What's it going to be? A rollaway, right? With wheels on it. That's okay. That means you're a survivor and you're a fighter. So what would it be? I want you to have backup medication, at least one set of change of clothes. I'd like you to have a charger for your phone. 
maybe a battery, maybe a couple walkie-talkies, certainly some food, powerful, uh, you know, not, not gourmet food, but you need something to eat and drink. Like, Eric, this is crazy talk. I, I know. I wish, I wish it was. Three weeks ago, I would have said it was crazy talk. But we saw how Hamas operated. These people are not sophisticated. They use drones. You know the ones you can get for 95 bucks at the store? And they attached a hand grenade to it. And they flew it up and over and dropped it on cell towers and blew them up. So they didn't work. So they couldn't tell other people they're coming. Right? That was their Air Force. Their Air Force were $95 drones that you could buy and fly with a little remote control. And they flew them over military communications. And they were so small, they weren't caught up on radar. And so it blew up the radar installations in the early warning detection systems. Right now, we know cartels from the South, Mexican drug cartels, are using drones to drop in a kilo, two kilos, five kilos of drugs, of fentanyl, over the border. They just fly it right over. And you can't stop them. It flies in two or three kilometers. It's over. Somebody else is on that side. They pick it up, and off it goes. What are you going to do about it? You can't if you're the law enforcement side. Well, we never thought, at least I never thought, that bad guys would use that to blow up military installations. What if you used it to drop chemical weapons? Right? So right outside the front door of the military uh, b- barracks of whatever, LA Air Force Base, Camp Pendleton, I don't know. You fly in this drone and you drop, uh, you know, a bottle of chlorine and ammonia or something. Couldn't you do? Yeah, you could. And now you have a chemical weapon with people dying and needing attention. And so those people are not going to come to your aid. I wish Sunday morning was a little bit nicer. But you need to have sources of income that are not counting on somebody's paycheck to give you money. You need to have a backup plan. For your medication, you need to have a backup plan as a place to go. You need to keep your car at least half tank of gas at all times. It's kind of the rule in my family: half tank of gas. If you're at a, if you are at a half a tank, you are empty because you just don't know when the emergency. Make sure your car is maintained. Battery, good. Tires, good. Brakes, good. Do you follow me? I wish it was different. I remember when my, when my dad was alive and I was talking to him about this kind of stuff, not this imminent, but I was talking to him. I go, dad, what, what do you think is going to happen? You know, he, my dad's from Lebanon. He left in 1954. Uh, so he left in 1954. It was, a, it was the Paris of the Middle East. Remember? Waterfalls. And he would talk about stories about hiking through the, the trees, the cedar trees. And then he had to go back in 1976 to get his family out because of the Civil War. And I asked him, I said, wow, did you ever think the United States would be like this? Because I'd tell him stories, you know, when I was in the police department. When I was young, right? Imagine a 22-year-old kid talking about seeing, you know, multiple murders or, or somebody dying in your arm or having, you know, I won't go into the details, but having really bad things, warlike things happen. 
And you tell you tell somebody like my dad, he's like, wait a second, I left Lebanon so there wouldn't be problems. My kids could raise be raised in a safe place. I didn't come here for you to experience those same negative things. Look, in the end, I think that we will still win. I, I do. I think there's going to be some sort of a conflict. I think China is just waiting. I think everybody knows that Biden's time is coming to an end. And if they want to do something, they have to do it while he's still here because he's a very weak person. And Kamala Harris is a joke. Just the way it is. Right? We're spending time banning gas stoves when we have more natural gas than any country on this planet that we know of. At least it's, it's accessible. You ever ask yourself, why? why? Why are they not allowing us to even use the natural gas that's here? Because you have freedoms. You'd have ideas. You'd have, you'd have the ability to not need others. I want you to have that same independence, right? I can control what? Your income. I can help you control your assets being protected from the market declines. You might still want to have some in the stock market or banks, of course, accessible. I want you to have some cash at home, right? That little go bag, that, that red roller, bowl, roller suitcase, whatever it is, or a black backpack, fives and tens. $20 bills, $100 bills, whatever the number is. Could be $500, it could be 5000 You pick the number that matters to you. But I want you to have cash. I want you to have a credit card. I want you to have something in that so that you go, oh, this is bad. Those sleeper cells that are here, I am telling you, they are here. Whether or not they're activated and they go crazy, it, super simple. Here's what I would do. And, and everybody knows this. If you're already a bad guy or you're in law enforcement, you do multiple attacks where hospitals, schools, movie theaters, stadiums, shopping malls. So be prepared in case you're in one of those locations. Find the exits. Pay attention. How do you protect your family there? How do you get out? That's the goal. Get out. All right. Stay with me after the break. I have your emails. A little, a little more lighthearted. But with this attack on Israel, we needed to make sure that we're addressing what you can do to protect you and your family. Stay with me after the break. Your emails are coming up next on The Place for News Talk and Information. I'm Eric Hallaby. We'll be right back. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Your place for news, talk, and information. This is your emails, all right? I love it because in the email segment, some of you send some pretty corny things. Uh, and it's a little bit different. So I want to get to, to the emails here in just a second. But let me give you my email address. It's Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif, at TFSWealth.com. So A-R-I-F, at T as in Tom, F as in Frank, S as in Sam, Wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, dot com. So Arif at TFSWealth. Com. If I can answer a question for you, or, or sometimes I do it on, on the, the, uh, the, the air, of course, on the radio show, but often I'll just call you back 
or we'll set up a time to speak, or I'll just answer you over the computer if it's rather simple. So many different ways to get a question answered. I want you to consider this. There are ways and reasons for you to have some of your money safe. There's also reasons for you to have a bit more at risk. Because in your life, in all of our lives, sometimes taking a little bit of risk is good. It's important. But you just need to know what the risk is. right? Could I lose some of my money? Could I lose all of my money? Is this 100% of my life savings? What if? What if there's a collapse in the market? What if I get sick? Right? These are big questions. You need to have a plan B, maybe even a plan C, as I mentioned in the last half hour. right? I think big things are changing. Israel still waiting to, to do an incursion. Listen, if I was Israel, right, I'm not, and I'm not a, a military strategist, but just from an outside observer, I would say wait as long as possible. That's what I would do. I, I'd make sure Egypt had an opening on their end, so you gave the refugees a place to go, and then those that were left would be considered bad guys, right? Pretty simple, I would say. The bad guys are going to be the ones that are left behind. I think part of this issue we have to, I don't know, consider this for a minute. When and how is your family going to be in the same situation? I don't know that. I don't know. I think you have to have a plan B for your income. I think you have to have a plan B in case your health goes sideways and you need to have somebody live with you. Right? We had this recently with a family member. Went from okay to a stroke. Have you asked yourself these questions? Do you have a plan B, both physically and financially? In other words, you need a little help to get up, stand up. Well, that's physical. Somebody has to be there. You were working, now you can't. You had income coming in by your effort, now you don't. All right, so just always have a, have a plan B. All right, so this is important. I have this, uh, this email I want to get to here in just a second. I think... Uh, you guys have to have this as a, as a thought, right? Your purpose in retirement. An email came in recently and was kind of joking about it. I'll, maybe I'll read it on another day, but I do want you to understand this part before I get to the other emails. It's this. How do you know what your purpose is going to be? What, what is your purpose? Maybe you spent so much time taking care and providing for other people that you just kind of never thought that there isn't going to ever be a time where it's about you. But by circumstances and some good, some not so good, the circumstances now come to the place where what? Now you have to have a plan B. So what do you do? Number one, you write it down. Write down what you enjoy doing. There's something about putting your goals on paper, your thoughts on paper. You've heard people for years talk about journaling and adding things down and very important to get your thoughts down on paper, to get your ideas written where you can see them. Because then what happens is you're thinking about them, you're feeling them, right, by writing. So now you have another sense that's a part of the, the, the calculation, and then you can see it. And then I want you to read it out loud. Use your words so you have another sense you're hearing. Right? So you got the touch, the hearing, the seeing. You're, you're putting this into your mind. Is this what matters? So write it down. No matter how silly, what is it you enjoy doing? And be very specific with it. And then ask yourself, has anybody ever made money doing this? Has it ever been a money maker? 
Sometimes people like making jam, cooking, baking pies, right? Really good bakers. There's a lot of really good bakers out there. They enjoy it. Has anybody ever made money doing it? Yes. Yes, somebody has. It has to be scaled, has to be larger, whatever the case might be. But I recently at a Mexican restaurant and it, it was in a, like an old house, amazing food, big old line at the front door. I don't know how many people inside, maybe, uh, oh gosh, probably 30 people, something like that. And probably 10 waiting to be seated. When we left, that was, there was probably 10 outside waiting to be seated. And of the 30 or so people inside, right, everybody ordered something different, but the menu wasn't vast. It wasn't like a cheesecake factory type menu where you had a thousand different things you can do. But then, then what? Well, she made most of the food, couple helpers, best place ever. If you say, Hey, do you want to scale this and have a chain of restaurants across the Southwest of America? No, because I can't cook for that many people, right? What she enjoys doing is cooking and serving and having people enjoy her food. It's turned into a, a fantastic financial benefit. Yes, it has some risks. Yes, it's not easy. Yes, you're open, you know, long hours for lunches and dinners. I get it. But she enjoys doing something. Her and her husband, we happen to have met. And they do a great job. People make jelly and jams. They sell them at fairs and carnivals. I once had a, uh, one of my favorite. I mean, this, this guy made three or four different, he and his wife made three or four different cheeses. And they were vegan cheeses. And, and they were amazing, non-dairy cheese. And they used cashew and almond and different types of, of nuts. Couldn't tell the difference if your life depended on it. Couldn't. Amazing food, incredible food, uh, incredible cheese. And they said, hey, going out of business in two months, we'll, we'll, we will not be here at the farmer's market anymore. And I asked him, I said, what happened? You guys have a line of people. You sell out. If I don't get here early... It's on an early Saturday morning. If I don't get here early, you often don't have the flavors that I like. So what I started doing is buying three and four of them and freezing them. And then I learned how to, how to thaw it out properly and I could use it, you know, eat them over time. And he said, well, Arif, uh, you know, we work long hours. It's, it's not easy for us. I said, oh, I know. I'm sure it is, but you guys do an amazing product. She said, he said, me and my wife love to make this. And I said, amazing. So ultimately over time, he knew I was a financial guy. We started talking about numbers. He said, we make between a million and a million and a half dollars a year. My jaw dropped. I said, what? He said, yeah, we saved up our money. We bought an apartment building. We bought some other rental property. We paid off our house. And then we have some more money saved in the bank. And my wife wants to try something new. She also enjoys uh, something else. And he mentioned it. I said, we've got to be kidding. He said, no, it's very lucrative. And, you know, most of you guys look at these farmer market, farmer's market, and you go, oh, how cute. Oh, what a nice little side business. If done right, here this guy saying, he goes, Eric, we work six days a week. How long have you been doing this? He said, three years. Three years, and they've made millions of dollars. So my point is, find what you love, write it down. It doesn't matter how silly. Then you have to learn the business of that. Later on, we can do that. Also, I want you to write down where can you take classes 
to learn how to do this better, right? Learn how to do it better, like a business. Can you take classes somewhere like community colleges? You've heard me talk about those as a brilliant place to, to learn. Write this down. Have you had a career before serving others or before a time when money mattered as much? Did you have a career that you enjoyed, maybe in high school, maybe in college, you did it part-time, but it wasn't where you were getting your degree and it didn't make your parents proud. But who cares now? Now it's about you living for you. Is there a purpose? Is there a place out there that you can get involved? Keep that in mind. I'm going to jump on a few other things. All right. Here's your email. This is from, let me pull this up here. I think this one is from Ted. Yeah, this is. This is from Ted and Alicia. All right. Let's see. Dear Eric, this is the second marriage for both of us. Me and my husband have both been married one time before. Currently, we've been now married six for six months. My husband earns about $10,000 a month from his pension and investment income. I receive $5,300 a month from my deceased husband's pension. That's pretty good money, guys. My first husband passed away a few years ago, and my current husband is divorced for about eight years prior to us meeting. I was the beneficiary of my husband's $2 million life insurance policy, as well as all of his retirement accounts. I'm concerned about preserving this money for my adult children and for my grandchildren. I certainly do not mind using some of this for our new life together, but I would like to keep as much as possible from my, from my deceased husband for our mutual children. My new husband has his own money as well, but not as much as what I have. We are each other's beneficiaries for the new house that we bought together, our savings accounts, our checking accounts, and some of our investment accounts that we have together. He has grandkids too, and put his children on as beneficiaries for most of his retirement accounts. We both love and care for each other's kids and grandkids, and we all get along fine. I do not want to create any a large or big concerns, uh, financially speaking, but both of us are looking for ways to streamline and solve this issue that's best for both of us. Sincerely, Ted and Alicia. Okay, well, a couple of things. After you're married, which is now, right? It's called a post-nuptial agreement. Nuptial means wedding. Post is after. So after wedding agreement. You can do that. You can draft it out very simply. I get this. You get that. If we divorce before 10 years, right? You've seen celebrities do things like this. If we divorce before 10 years, this is what happens for every child we get. You get this much in, in revenue, et cetera. I don't think you guys have to be that complicated, Ted and Alicia. It's very simple, really. You have money from your, from your deceased husband's life insurance policy and, and financial accounts. Those, are, those have beneficiaries on them. You can create beneficiary-driven accounts. That means don't commingle it with your joint checking and joint savings accounts. Don't put those funds into your joint house together. If you do, they're, they're those, as soon as those dollars go into a joint checking account, it's called mudding the waters. It's not a technical term, but you've just commingled it. So 
his, hers, ours, and the dollars. It doesn't matter. It's all divided in, here in California, divided by two. That's it. So I would have a post-nuptial agreement if there's any asset that is not beneficiary-driven. What would be a beneficiary-driven account? Simple. Uh, mutual fund accounts, securities accounts, annuities, retirement accounts, life insurance, even checking and savings accounts that are sole separate property of yours, Alicia, that can be beneficiary driven to circumvent any probate and directly go to your uh, children or grandchildren. You guys can each create your own living trust. You can create a joint living trust and lay out the assets where Alicia, your children get this, Ted's children get this. So you can lay that out very simply. So who do we talk to? Number one, we're going to talk to an attorney, an estate planning attorney, and or, especially if you're going to do a, a post-nuptial, you would do that if you had something like real estate and you need to have that inside of a trust. You're going to need to know if there's income coming in, who pays for what, who gets what. Okay, so an attorney will go through and outline all of that. You might need a family law lawyer because family law lawyers are the ones that handle divorces and, and uh, child custody, but they also handle prenuptial agreements and postnuptial agreements. So consider that as part of it. All right. You might want to, especially if you want to use, if both of you are healthy, you see how simple it was, Alicia, where you inherited the life insurance policy, some paperwork and a death certificate, off it went, and they just sent you a check, usually a check or a checkbook, like with a money market, uh, money, uh, yeah, money market account. And you'll usually just write a check. You can write a check to yourself and deposit it in your bank account, write a check to yourself and pay off a house. You do whatever you want. And the life insurance check comes to you and it's all tax free. That's the key component, right? What I don't want you to do is to take tax free money and turn it into taxable money. No reason to do that. Today, there aren't any real benefits to that. So what I'd look at, Alicia, is something simple. I would say, if you are healthy enough, to use some of that $2 million to leverage into a life insurance policy that would circumvent probate and go directly to your children. The reason you would do that is simple. You can probably put, I don't know, let's just make up a number, $250,000. It might buy you, let's say, 500000 in life insurance. And I don't know how many children you have. You didn't mention it. So you could divide it up so that each child receives you know, 250000 if you have two kids, for example. And that's 250 tax-free. Remember, if it comes from a life insurance policy, it's tax-free to the kids upon receiving it. All right? That's important. Next, you might also want to look at doing a... Uh, that. Oh, let me back up. That life insurance policy should have an irrevocable beneficiary so that if you become incapacitated, Alicia, and Ted becomes your power of attorney 20 years from now, whatever... He can't go in and change the beneficiaries to that life insurance policy to be himself or his kids because he'll have the right to do that, right? If it's just a normal life insurance policy. But if the beneficiaries are irrevocable, then the beneficiaries have to sign off on it and they're not going to. So even if you become incapacitated, I want to have the beneficiaries be the kids no matter what. Okay, next. Um, what about gifting the money to the kids? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about a chance to just gift, which means give the money outright to the kids right now 
because you can do that about $17,000 per year from social security number to social security number. And, and do you know what that means? It's really simple. It means Alicia, you can give 17,000, let's say to your son, and then you can give 17,000 to your daughter-in-law. And then you can give 17,000 to the grandchild and then the other grandchild. So what you can do is it's one way to give money, to get it out of your estate today and to give money to them. Now, I don't want you giving big chunks away because you're going to need the funds to live on. So that's not going to change too much, but maybe you wouldn't expect to need that much. So maybe you'll give away one or two, maybe 15,000 a year or 10,000 a year because you can help them today. Maybe pay for college. Maybe you want it to be something so that you can help them buy a home in a nicer area, pay off some debt, whatever student loan debt for themselves, some of your kids, you can do things with the money by gifting it to them. It's about $17,000 from social security number to social security number. All right. So that's an option. Something else I would have you do, which I think is pretty important, uh, is I would, I would like each of you, if you, if you're going to do a post-nuptial agreement, which I actually think today more and more is actually a good idea. So if you're willing to go into it, both of you open-minded and not running around taking things personal or getting mad, if you think you each have the personality to have a conversation about it, here's how I would do it. I'd have you lay down a set of rules. This is absolutely, I am not willing to give up these things or do these things. So each of you are going to start with the heck no list. No way, no how. Am I going to give or want or upset? No, no, no. This is my no, no. And then, then you're going to say, this is the absolutely thing that I must have. There's no question. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to give away this. And I must have these things. All right. So must have, must not haves. Lay out that list. And then you compare. You give it to an attorney. Attorney will ask you questions. See how that stuff translates into the real life. Right. See how it translates into the what, what he or she, the attorney, is trying to put together. They'll give you kind of an outline of a plan. And then it's really simple. So I share that with you guys. So, so that's my answer, Alicia and Ted. Certainly guys, give us a call. Uh, we shot you an email. So if you need help or you want any, uh, any other questions, any referrals, we have some great attorneys that we work with. We work with your attorney, a certified estate planner. So my job is to understand the stuff and uh, also to understand when, which is almost always, we want an attorney involved, right? My job is to kind of coach the financial side of things. The attorney's job is to handle the legal side of things. Don't ever let an attorney be a CPA or a CPA be a financial advisor, or right? They each have their own roles. It's basically like three parts of a triangle. Where I think most people get into trouble is they say things like, my CPA is also my financial advisor at HDVest. I go, oh, okay, that's a great company. But what is he good at? Well, he's a CPA and a financial... Yeah, but, but he can't be great at both things. They are night and day. The disciplines are way too difficult to do something part-time. That means he has to be great at, at one of those and so-so at the other. Whatever he is great at, that's what you, you utilize him for. Whatever he is so-so at, go find somebody else. 
because you can't have the same person. It's like saying, oh, you know, they do my brakes and they do my transmission. Like, okay, well, both of those are kind of important, especially when you're getting in your trip ready to head across the grapevine. You can't have somebody who says, oh, yeah, I do brakes on the weekends uh, on Japanese cars, but you have an Audi. No problem. I'll fix your Audi. Like, oh, but don't you know that it's probably going to be a bit different? Oh, a brake is a brake is a brake. <laughs> You're like, maybe not. Okay, so, so make sure that the conversation about what you need to do, financially speaking, includes you guys having the right team. Sometimes you guys will say, uh, when you're, it's your second marriage, whether it's somebody's passed away or a divorce, we have to live over here. I can't live in your house. You have to live in my house. We, I don't want to sell my house, right? Often, this is what I, I experience. Ladies will say things like, I just don't want to sell the house. It, it was our home. My husband's passed away. And he says, I can't live on that side of town because I, I, I commute. Or it's just not my home. And she says, your home is not my home. Then I recommend you guys buy another house where you can live together. And you start from the the bottom up. You, you do the decorating, you find the home together, right? You put it all in your own personal taste. You can keep the other as a rental, right? Often what I find is, is she lets her kids live there for free or barely for free mistake, but it's not the worst financial mistake you make, but it's a, it's a horrible social mistake because the kids never understand or appreciate what it takes to actually live. Because mom and dad are letting him live there for, you know, $600 a month or something. In reality, they need to be spending more money. I love it when people say, oh, you know, rents are just too high. I go, really? What did you do last night? Oh, I played video games for four hours. Well, who paid you to play video? Nobody paid me to, to play video games. Well, if rents are so high, what are you doing playing video games or watching the game, football? Oh, just relaxing. It's relaxing to me. How about if you just went back to school to learn something where somebody would pay you more because you're worth more? Oh, you know, I play softball in bowling league and I play on this league and that league. Hey, listen, as long as you're happy with your life, I, I'm, I love it that you do those fun things. I think you should. But if you're not happy with your life or you have the inclination to complain about something, then you don't spend time watching movies or TV or Netflix or Prime. You should have no idea how to even spell Hulu. You should know how to spell community college or uh, North Valley Occupational Center or whatever it's going to take to get a trade school thing under your belt. Right? If you didn't grow up in a place or a family that had enough money set aside for school, then you struggle. You, you, you scrap and you fight. But if you're not somebody that's going to do that, if you're somebody that's going to sit around and watch the sports games on TV and, and, and play video games till all hours of the night, you have nothing, zero, to complain about. You are the problem. That's it. You're not evil. You're not bad. You're not probably going to hell. I don't know. But there is no such thing as high rent because somebody is going to pay it. So what you do is either become the person that pays it today someday, or you move. Because if nobody can pay it, guess what happens to the price? It goes down. It's called capitalism. Oh, I don't want to move. I like it. Then you go back to school. You learn. You spend time on YouTube. You spend time learning. It's you. Take responsibility. 
All right, guys, stay with me after the break. I have another email. This one's pretty fun. I think you'll like it. It's going to be a little bit of math. So you grab your calculator, grab your pen and paper. I'm going to go over that. A little bit of the math when we come back. Arif Halaby, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. This is your place for news, talk, and information. AM870, The Answer. Be right back. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back to the show. Air of Halfie. That's me. The Total Financial Hour. Your place for news, talk, and information. I love this show, and I really appreciate you guys being a part of it. We're coming up uh, in a couple of months. We'll come up on 19 years on the radio. Can you imagine that? Well over 3,000 shows. We're trying to get a better count. I don't know if we've come close to 4,000 yet. I doubt it. I think we're still in the low 3,000s, but about 3,000 shows. That's a lot of time to spend with you, a lot of time to learn from you because you're a big part of the show. You're a big part of why this show has the success, right? There's 20, there's tens of thousands of you. I think we're well into the 20,000 plus listeners. It's kind of nice every weekend. And I appreciate you guys being part of the show. Many of you download, you can go to AM 870, the answer, AM 870, the Go to the podcast, scroll all the way down to the total financial hour. So it's under the T's cause it's alphabetical. It's not under Arif. It's not under A, Arif. It's the total financial RT. And you can pull up some of the old shows. Get a chance to clarify what did I say, what did I mean. And pay attention also because going forward, we always bring up or try to bring up new ideas and even change ideas and change minds over time. New information comes out, we make different decisions. Right? For a lot of you, how about living on a cruise ship? How about your retirement is that something you could do, want to do? Have you ever thought about it as an option? A made service, unlimited electricity, food, water. After a while, after you're on for a little bit, I guess they give you free laundry and dry cleaning even. Pretty amazing when you think about it. What would you do? Well, you need to know how to make friends. Your bedroom, just like you have a bedroom at home, is your cruise ship room. And your living room is the vast floors, decks of the rest of the ship. So just know that. Know there's some privacy and that's your bedroom, that's your room. Has a couch, of course, usually one or two TVs. But have you ever thought about that? There's a cruise ship, it has 135, it was 2018 it came out. 135 residents laid out on the 12 decks of the ship. 106 of them are apartments, and the rest of them are studios. Pretty amazing, right? This particular cruise ship was actually launched in 2002. So for 22 years, people have been living on cruise ships, buying apartments or condos, because some of them are single, single rooms. But if you live on a cruise ship and you want to buy an actual condo, as opposed to what you call a traditional cruise ship, right? Traditional cruise ship, you could just keep buying 
back to back to back to cruises and you're living on it. So for all intents and purposes, you're just buying whatever the latest special is. Or some of these cruise ships are apartment buildings on the water. And that is two and three bedrooms in some cases, big living rooms, kitchenettes, kitchens, dining rooms with a dining room table, one or two decks. Now they're not inexpensive, right? They're not, they're, they're actually on the higher end, $2 million, $3 million. You want a penthouse with three or four bedrooms. You want a huge setup. All right. You're actually talking more like 10 or 12 million. So this is not cheap. It's not for the, for the poor middle class, but what is it for? Who is it for? Very simple guys. Ready for this? Here's my favorite. It's for those of you who want adventures. You retire young and you think of it as a way to live adventurously for the next five years, maybe 10 years of your life. I don't think you should consider this, you know, the life, uh, life ending place, nursing home, where you're on a ventilator, you're, you're on uh, machines keeping you alive, right? I don't think this is the, the place. A lot of people are talking about cruise ships. Oh, this is the answer. A nursing home, assisted living, or a cruise ship. I, I don't think they are that well equipped yet. I think what you should do is consider it as kind of that, that intermediate, right? We call it the go-go years. Tom Hegna, Tom Hegna, amazing author, Paychecks and Playchecks, one of his books, right? Paychecks and Playchecks. I've had him on the show a few times, I think three times. I love him. Brilliant guy, knows what he's talking about experienced in the financial world. Here's something very simple. He said, here's what you do. Retirement is breaking into three, three uh, sections, three times, usually about 10 years each. The first is your go-go years. You retire and you're going. We're traveling here. We bought an RV. We bought a boat. We're flying in a plane. We got our Harley Davidson motorcycles and we're going for a ride, sailing around the country, sailing up and down the coast, whatever it is, go, go, go. First 10 years. Second 10 years is the slow go years. Tom mentions these as you're not going to leave too much from, from your neighborhood, from your home, a few miles in either direction, maybe a, a radius of five or 10 miles, hospital, doctor's appointments, nursing home. I'm sorry, uh, 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 pharmacy visits, right? Physical therapy. That's what I was trying to say. Physical therapy appointments. You're, you're kind of starting to slow down a little bit. You go visit people a little bit, mostly they're coming to see you now. That's the slow-go years. You're still going out, still going to dinner, but you're home by 7, 6 o'clock at night. Okay, now what's the, what's the third phase, approximately 10 years, is the no-go years. No-go years. You almost never leave the house, certainly never leave the community or the town. Almost everybody comes to you. Usually you've had one or two ailments. Now, listen, some of you are in this time of your life right now, but you're there because you've chosen to give up, right? You're in your seventies and you said, that's it. Well, no, this is still part of the go-go years, guys. Just because you're in your seventies and your grandparents that were in their seventies were in a rocking chair waiting to die. That's not you. Today, it's different. Today, you, you internally choose to fight. You can fight. 
What do I mean by that? Well, you got injured a little bit. You broke a knee or, or had surgery, knee replacement. Get up. Of course it hurts. Oh, but it hurts. Yes, it does. Of course. And do it anyway. I'm tired. I know. And do it anyway. I want to rest. I know. And do it anyway. Because I'm not concerned about the last 10 minutes of your life. I'm concerned about the time up to that. Which is where you're going to waste good breathing years of your life while you're on this side of the grave, while you still have family that needs to learn from you, where there still is the wisdom that's inside your head that has yet to be uh, shared with people. Why? Because you never thought it was a big deal, right? You have wisdom and stories and ideas and, and opinions on stuff, and you just called it normal. And your family is waiting to hear from you. So you got to go, go. Right? That means you got, oh, wait, Eric, if I lost the use of my car because of my eyesight. No problem. These 22-year-olds are, are renting scooters. You get a scooter. Oh, they're doing Uber. You get an Uber. I'm joking on the scooter part. I get it. But you can do ride service. You can hire your niece or nephew, your cousin's child. You can, you can get out and about, and that's what we do. Right? I don't want you to give up. Because the go-go years don't have to just go for 10 years. 62, 65 to 72, 75. No, no. You can take that to age 80 these days. You're not jumping off of buildings. I get it. You're not fly, skydiving or you're just living a life that isn't your four walls. I worry about you guys. All right. I want to share this one with you. This is important. These folks are going to have a probably longer than 10 years in the go-go years. All right, here it is. Dear Arif, I'm 58 years old and my wife is 57. Everyone says $1 million is what you needed to retire. Well, with inflation, is that still the case? We have saved about 600000 in IRAs and we expect to have maybe another 50000 by the time we retire, by the time we both retire in one year. We will not have that expected or presumed $1 million saved at that time. Since we will be under the Social Security age, our only source of income will be this money and my small pension of about $980 a month. My, my wife's pension will start two years later at age 60. It will be about $4,250 a month. Okay, we're going to pause there for just a second. Just so you know, that immediately tells me government employee. Not bad, but you guys need to understand. She's 60 years old. She's probably going to live to 90. That's 30 years. 30 years times $4,000 a month. Do you understand the amount of money the taxpayers are going to have to pay in order to, to provide for that pension? Think about that for a second. That's a lot of money, isn't it? It's not cheap. I'm not saying it's bad or evil or we, she doesn't deserve it or she didn't work hard or she didn't sacrifice Forget your little emotions that go with that. She's going to be paid 1.5, probably close to $2 million in her lifetime. And taxpayers have to provide for that. If you're okay with that, I'm okay with that because you're going to pay it too. But just know that, all right? You need to understand it's about math, not just about feelings. Okay, I want to continue with their email. 
since we will, we will be leaving California, we will have some money from the sale of our house. I expect that to be about $200,000 after the purchase of our new home in our new state. I believe we will need right in the neighborhood of $6,500 per month in income. When I turn 67, my social security will be $2,900 a month. Okay, guys, follow me on that. Grab your pen and paper. Here's where we are. At age 67, so they're going to retire in about one year from now, right? Is that right? One year? Yeah. In about one year, they're going to retire. Here's where this matters. He's going to be 58 now. He's 58 now. He'll be 59 years old. We're going to have to have right in the neighborhood of about seven years or so of retirement money coming from or, or, or before we can turn on social security. Now, because I know she's a government employee, or at least I'm assuming that based on that pension, this is why it matters. She's not eligible for social security as well. Most government employees, if you get one money from a pension, you're not eligible for social security, including the spousal benefit. In other words, when he dies, all of the money she put into social security at some random jobs over the years, her early working years, when she was in high school, college, all that money, including all the money he put in, if he passes, gone. Social Security takes it. Who knows where it goes? Probably to the illegal aliens. Because they're all applying for Social Security, just so you know. They're all given free driver's licenses, just so you know. Because the Democrats are trying to head off at the pass voter ID. So they're working on that. All right. So anyway, so here's what's going to happen. I have to protect her because I need to make sure that they're not going to drain this retirement account waiting for him to turn 70 years old so that it's a higher social security check because once he dies, it's all gone anyway. But the retirement account is not gone anyway, right? The retirement account we can save because it's, it's theirs. So she gets to have that regardless of whether he passes or not. So I need to start social security around the full retirement age, around 67. So here's what I'm recommending. Okay. I told you, grab your pen and paper, the $980 a month that's coming from social security. I'm going to pull about $6,000 a month for the next two years from the IRA. So they can live comfortably on around $7,000 a month. There'll be some taxes in there. And they don't have to take all of it, but that's just an example. All right. So about $6,000 a month for the next two years. That leaves right in the neighborhood of $575,000 left in the IRA. Meaning we took money out. There's some, there's some interest. Okay. Then what I'm going to do, I'm going to reduce that. Right? So because in two years, she's going to receive that pension but it's not still not quite enough. So I'm going to reduce that 6,000 to about $1,500 a month. And now for the next four years, it's really mostly interest. The 575 is going to create interest right in the neighborhood of around $1,500 a month at about a four and a half, five 5% return. So we're done. We don't ever have to worry about that account going backwards. And we do that for six years until when? When he is now at full retirement age, 67 years old, we flip a switch 
and now his social security comes on. So I would stop taking money from this account because she's going to have her, her pension. And so that, you know, most of these government pensions have amazing cost of living increases. She can expect to get a 3% cost of living return probably for a decade, right? That just means she's going to have thousands of dollars a year added to her pension. And the great news with that is she will, uh, kind of keep up with inflation mostly. All right, next. Why do I want it to rest for the next couple of years? Well, let's rebuild that money back up. Let's get the 575 back up to 600, 675, you know, 700,000. If they need it, they can take pieces and parts of it. But what I'd really want to do, once they move to that new house, a lot of these dollars are going to come from a couple of places. This is where you guys seem to forget. You need to be meeting now, October, November, September, October, November. You need to meet with your CPAs. Why? Because you need to find out where, if you're on track for the year, do you need to make adjustments before the end of the year? I don't want you to owe lots of money. So maybe you have to pay a little bit more in taxes. So you don't pay any penalties or fees or fines. Maybe you can back it off because you have lots of write-offs this year. So you can reduce what you're withholding for the rest of the year. So you can pay less in taxes for the next couple of months. Okay. So by checking in with the CPA along the way, just for basic stuff with this couple, here's why you would check in ready because they have $200,000 sitting in the bank. That is post tax money done. It's in their pocket. So when it comes time to spend money to live and to travel or whatever they want to do, the CPA will say, you could take from your IRA, whatever, let's just say $11,000 this year. But they say, well, well, Mr. CPA, I need 15,000. They go, no problem. Pull the 4,000 from your sale of the house. You see, so then you're going to be taxes. If you were taking out 15,000, now you stay below the tax bracket. But you get to live as if you made nineteen or twenty thousand, because now you are pulling money from post-tax place. That's what most people forget when they come to my office and we're trying to to lay out a plan and we're working with their CPA and we're kind of figuring out what the numbers are. They forget to ask what's the difference between if I pull money from my IRA or if I pull money from my stock bond mutual fund investment account. What if I pull money from one place or another? What's the tax savings or the tax cost? Because by the time they are both 70 years old, she is 70 years old. He'll be about 71 or so. They will have collected social security for four, maybe five years. And that account should be back up around $700,000, 575 now 700. That's pretty darn important to me because if we need income from that account or when he passes away and usually guys at the, we pass first, she's going to lose probably 3000, 3,500, maybe by that time with some cost of living increases, she'll lose probably $3,500 a month in income. Okay. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money to lose when one person passes away. So we need to make sure 
that, okay, maybe the small pension, I, I hope that they put her name on it because that might have some increases over time. Maybe that's $1,000 or so. But we still are off $3,000, $4,000 a month. How do we protect it? That's what this account does. It gives me kind of a plan B. It lets me put money off to the side because it's she's the beneficiary of his account. They can, we can build those accounts up. So if he passes first, she can start taking money from that joint account. If she passes first, he can take money from that joint account. And because the first year that somebody passes, they are allowed to do uh, still file married filing jointly. Then, very simple, maybe we do a conversion. We convert some of that money over into a Roth IRA so that it's never taxed again. That might be fun. So these are, are the reasons that you have those three people involved. Estate planning attorneys or a trust lawyer. You have a CPA, tax preparer person. You have a financial professional, financial advisor, some sort of financial uh, pro professional, incomes professional, somebody like us, or maybe there's other people too. And you put us into a room and you say, okay, guys, here's my scenario. Here's my problem. Give me solutions. Right? Because everybody has different reasons. You might say, I don't care about paying taxes right now. I want to buy that fancy car. I want to take that trip. Hey, Arif, remember that cruise ship you were just talking about living on board? I want to live on board that cruise ship for six months out of the year. Right? Where we live, it's humid. It's where we're buying a house, it's humid and yucky. So the summertime, we don't want to be there. Okay. Depends on the amount of money you have, the way that you might do it. Maybe you buy a house or you rent an apartment on a cruise ship. Maybe these people are allowed to rent them out for four months. And you go wherever it goes. You see, that's the cool part. These cruise ships that are on the sea, you realize wherever the weather is good, that's where they go that time of year. It's not like you say, well, you know, I live in Alabama. That's amazing during the winter times. It's nice. It's mild. I love the, the seasons. But that summer season, oh, the bugs, the bugs. Tennessee, oh, have you known how yucky it is? And the traffic, folks, if you don't know the traffic in the next 10 years in Tennessee, Franklin, Knoxville, the roads were never designed to handle the kind of traffic that it's currently seeing and it is seeing in the future. They're just not. And you have rivers and houses and mountains and hills. So it isn't as if you can, like in Palmdale, right? The Antelope Valley is just a big desert. Just widen it. Add two more lanes. Keep going. Add two more lanes. Keep going. You can't do that there. These places have been around for 200 and 250 years. When, when buggies and wagon, when wagons used to go down the street one at a time and everybody poked their head out when somebody drove by, who's that? Now you have a, a four lane highway going by that same person's house. So maybe that's not the place to be certain yucky times a year. So that's my, that's my uh, advice, my backup plan for you guys to layer the income take from the retirement accounts up to the next tax bracket, pull from the sale of the house for those onesies, twosies, those things that you want to do 
so that you're not paying extra taxes, but ask the CPA, where's my next tax bracket? Maybe I should take a greater amount of money out of this account. Okay, that's important. Maybe I should take a greater amount based on the tax brackets and the tax changes that are coming. Anytime the T word is used, what does that mean? Very simple, CPA. CPA, not a financial advisor. I love them. They're great. We're all fine. We're good people, on and on. But their job is not taxes. Their job is simple. It's financial advising or income planning or stock market or whatever their professional uh, place is. Okay, so don't forget that. Hey, folks, let me give you my email address one more time. Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif, at TFSWealth.com. T is in Tom, F is in Frank, S is in Sam. So TFSWealth.com. You can also get a hold of me at 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. See that? I listen. Some of you had commented that we say the phone number kind of fast. So I appreciate that. And, and I do my best to, uh, to correct that for you. Thanks for listening to the show. Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. Your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer. Have a blessed rest of the weekend. Bye-bye.